Welcome to First Aid Copites, a podcast for Delaware's Liverpool supporters and their friends. First day copites. It's January twenty fourth. It's episode twenty of our fourth season. I'm Lion. It's January twenty fifth. Uh, welcome, dear listener. I'm Paul, and today I'm joined by Daz, uh, who's got his fine flag in the background, and I'm joined joined by Justin again. Great to see you both. Um, Red suffered a really disappointing loss to Chelsea. Oh wait a minute, no, they didn't. Um, sorry, I was just picking up on all of the Twitter feeds. Um, it was a nil nil draw. And if uh, I, I didn't read that much of it, but if you read anything, um, this was this was just as bad a performance as the one against Brighton and everything is wrong with the world. Um, didn't, didn't really see it that way myself, but let, let's go to people with more insights than I'm going to offer in this uh, next hour. Uh, we'll, we'll see. See, um, and, and and by way of explanation, I watched the game back and found myself getting very angry with the commentary. So, uh, yeah, uh, apologies for what happens from here on in. Um, this week, I'll start with you, Daz. Um, Chelsea, I, they're really objectionable, aren't they? Um, the fans still suck. Uh, oh, still singing the Gerard song nine years later. Uh, oh my God! Um, uh, give, give, give me give me your your best insights around kind of where Chelsea are because uh, because I, I, I part of playing them is 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 like quite a bit of history now and I think with a following wind I I think we could have beaten them um, that did not seem to be the opinion of people who may have been on this show before or or indeed quite a lot of people out there in uh, Twitter land. Um. Which question you want me to answer first? If objectionable fans, I believe that John Gibbons of the um, Anfield Rap Parish called them cunts. Um, I think I think we have twats in the uh, agenda, but uh, okay. Yeah, his words, not mine. But I, I don't disagree. Uh, you said we're still singing a CVG song. It's uh, look, they're they're a team in quote unquote transition, but that transition's been going on for quite a while. I don't think it's necessarily just a, a factor of losing Roman Abramovich. They've, they've been in transition for a while. They're in, they're, they're, they've been crushed by injuries as well. But with, with the, basically it was a clash of two mid-table teams and that's pretty much what we are and that's how it, that's how it panned out. It was, I think it was both teams were playing not to lose. And I think that our, the way that we set up was at least in terms of tactically was probably along the same lines as we did against Wolves. Now, Chelsea are a better team than Wolves. Um, And I think for a a good portion of the first half, Klopp was like, just don't concede, keep it tight. Let's make sure there's no space between, like keep the space between our midfielders very tight. And you have to, uh, like Bacetic, 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 like again, we'll probably argue about this for for the next two months. But, they put the two older heads next to him. And I think that the, he did a great job. Don't get me wrong. I think he has a very high ceiling. And I believe I said he was different gravy and he's going to be like, you can see that he's, that he's going to be a great player, but he's still young and he's got, you need a couple of old experienced heads around him just to, to, to guide him. And that's what happened. And we just kept it tight. Uh, you had Cody Gakpo up front. Who's not quick. You had Harvey Elliott on one side of him. Who's not quick. And that leaves Mo Salah as the only 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 top type of speed that we have up front. And he had three guys around him at all times because they realized there wasn't there wasn't much of a, a threat in behind from either of the other two. So you're kind of limited by uh, to what you can do a on counter or b on attack by virtue of the fact that you have you don't have much rapidity up top. Um. So that's. I think it played out pretty much exactly as we expected it to. Um, it was just two teams that were. It was there was a couple of there was a couple of big punches thrown, but for the most part, it was just a lot of jabbing. And I think that was, again, by design and and by virtue of the of the the, the personnel that we had on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. So, so let, let let's explore the, the first half a little more, and I'll, I'll go to you, Justin, because um, I. I 
the thing that's particularly annoyed me at the first half was the commentary, he, like when the goal was disallowed, he says, VAR saved Liverpool. Like, guy was offside, right? No, I think, uh, don't think VAR saved anybody. Um, 22 minutes, uh, he, talk, he talked about how negative they were. At 32 minutes, he said, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, uh, 22 minutes, he said, Chelsea are playing the better football by far. 32 minutes, Liverpool are really struggling. I, I, uh, and if I haven't watched it back, I think we were sh- the thing we struggled with was we had no idea what formation they were going to play. And, you know, I, I think I've, I've seen a few people talk about the stats bomb data and, and the formation was, was weird. It wasn't like a 4 3 3. It was like a, was it a 3 4 3 at times, a 3 2. Uh, anyway, it was very difficult to figure out. And I don't think, I think one of the problems we had was figuring out how they might play, how they might set up um, in, in that formation. So first half, Justin, um, tell me I'm completely wrong and Liverpool really were struggling that badly that Chelsea should have been five up, according to some people. They shouldn't have been. They aren't that good. We aren't that good. Like, it comes back to this, right? There there are times in which you have a draw that feels like a win, which is when you you score a late equalizer to save yourself a point. There are draws that feel like losses. We have many of those this season. Yeah. There are draws that feel like draws. This was a draw that felt like a draw. Like, no, no, neither team really came close to score. Chelsea had the ball in the back of the net, and it's because they had two men offsides on a shot that rang off the post. Probably we should have we handled the situation better. We, they shouldn't have two free men on the back post on a set piece. And we were a little bit shaky on set pieces. Set pieces were the only time I was afraid of Chelsea. Like, even if you go, and I, and I know this blows past the first half, into the second half, Mudrik had an, a bunch of nice runs, but he didn't scare me into thinking that he was going to score. None of, nobody looked like they were going to score. The best, I mean, uh, our best chances came from Cody Gakbo because our only chances came from Cody Gakbo outside Ibu's ridiculous lob that almost went in at the beginning of the second half. But, like, they, they didn't pose a threat. Yeah. Like, it's... Both teams posted an XG. I think it was like 1.7 to 1.1 was the worst in with the the model that flattered us the least, and 1.65 to 1.4 was the one that flattered us the most. I mean, a lot of it was just the fact. What I've heard people say that's a big difference. It's not that big a difference. (laughs) It's just not. A half a goal of XG is not a particularly big difference. I I I wasn't going to defend it. Um, yeah, I mean, neither t- Chelsea had a few. Cl- we didn't fashion a single clear cut chance. I think Chelsea had like one or two. First off, if you're surrendering one or two clear cut chances a match, you're actually doing pretty well. Usually, like our formula when we're playing well is we're getting about f- between three and five a game, and our opposition gets one or two. Yeah. Right. We're defend. Our defense was mostly fine, and that's because Gakpo shut off passes into the midfield. The three midfielders basically closed a lot of gaps, and we made Chelsea play out wide, and they're just not that good there. And hopefully that's a formula that gets us better. But we had nothing in attack. And the only thing about the first half that really bothered me was something that I heard on the Anfield Wrap, something I noticed during the game, something that multiple people mentioned to me during the game, which is that Harvey Elliott took 37 minutes to pass the ball forward. Why? Because he's not a left winger who's going to run beyond people. Like he's going to look to connect play and be kind of creative and indirect. And if you don't have pace in front of him, it's not going to work. Yeah, he really didn't look like he wanted the ball actually until he made that one run, which was probably around thirty-seven minutes, where he went past somebody. Looked like yeah. he, it, it was a bit of a hot potato for him. I mean, well, it was an ugly. It's an ugly attacking game for both teams. I think him being on there was was again was probably as as a result of how he played in the Wolves game, like he he didn't stop running. He got he put himself about. I, I think it was less about him scoring the goal, it was about about what he was was doing off off the ball. But to to Justin's point, it's he doesn't have he doesn't have the pace to get beyond. It's it's, 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 it's an enigma. Well, not really, but it's I'd, I'd, Klopp, Klopp will persist, and he has persisted, and I don't think it's doing him any favors. I, I don't think it's doing us any favors either, because I, I think one of the one of your one of your um, 
your, your, your bullet points here on the agenda is to talk about our press. And, and I know, I mean, I know how many times we've said it, but Harvey is, Harvey gets dribbled around and passed around a lot. Like he's, don't get me wrong. He's, he's willing and able to, to, to do running and, but it's, it's kind of sterile running, I guess is a, for lack of a better way of putting it. You know what though? You can deal with that. When you have a guy who gets passed around a lot, just put like, you can, you can live with having a right wing and a left wing who get passed around a lot. If you have a midfield that's compact and tight, you have a center forward that doesn't allow passes in. And you have a defense that knows how to stay close to its midfield. So just not allow gaps. And we did a much better job at that. Like, if you're looking for a positive, there's your positive. It's they didn't cut through our midfield with really much. And that's that's an improvement. It's also the fact that we lost two league games on the bounce and we took and we drew here. It's grim to have to admit this, but that is a step forward. You gotta hem- you gotta stop the hemorrhaging before you can before you can sew up the wound. Yeah. So, so um, let, let, let's go on then to talk more about the second half and the second coming of Jesus Christ um, that was uh, the appearance of Mudric. I, I couldn't believe that, frankly, but okay. Um, I, I, I really felt like, like we started to really get into the game, I thought, more just before halftime. I thought we created a few things that last 10 minutes. And the first 15 minutes of the second half, I think we were really unlucky not to at least create better chances, never even even, even score. Um, and I, I think one of the reasons why that's so easy to forget is because the, the game kind of fizzled out. But there was a spell there, I thought, where we really were kind of like pushing forward. When, and to your point, Justin, we'd realised that actually they're a bit toothless. And, you know, we didn't need to play quite so uh, deep uh, and defensively against them. Yeah, there was one sub, though, that kind of bothered me, which was Darwin for Nabby. Uh, that's after the first 15 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, but I would have liked to have seen Darwin on with that midfield, with Gakpo playing in the center and with Salah playing on the right. Because yeah. that's probably what we're going to see in the next league game where Darwin and Gakpo and Salah are healthy assuming that that midfield stays the same because the that's I mean that should be your start your, your starting front three right now it's two guys with pace and a guy in the middle who is a ball defeat player like Gakpo can do the an approximation of the false nine and you could have Darwin and and Mo running beyond and that might actually give you something coherent in attack or at least it'll give you some threat like we we put Darwin on which gave us more threat um not a ton more like he had one, I think he had one real chance, and it was a half chance that was covered fairly well by the defender and Keppa. But we just need something. We, we, we're we going to need to find ways to spring Darwin and Mo in behind. Like, if we don't do that, we're not going to be successful. And that's not a departure, by the way. Because when we were unable to get Mane and Mo in behind in the past, it's been there's been no joy. Like that's that's how we score goals. That's how, what a Liverpool goal looks like: is a bunch of passing, some quick movement, and then bam, killer ball that gets into one of the two forwards. Yeah. No, I I, I do think um, that one of the challenges that we will have until um, Gakpo, Nunez, and Salah play more together is each understanding what their play was. Oh, by the way, I should have said today's episode is brought to you by uh, um, by. Lawson's, who make wonderful little sip, and the sip of sunshine, which is a, a heavier um, affair, um, but both are very nice, nevertheless. Um, Listen, I needed to talk about those Tory fuckers. <laughs> this is nothing to do with the beer brand, by the way. Go ahead. Oh, we're talking about the Tory fuckers now. We, we can come, we can come back to the second coming of Christ and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll make one comment about Mudrick before it leaves my head. Bad neck tattoos. Yeah. His neck tattoos are bad. My, do- my daughter, who is not averse to tattoos, um, disturbingly, did think, it, like, what has he got there? She, they, she thought it looked bad. So um, I am not the person to judge this, but she didn't like it. This is my own hang-up, but neck tattoos always remind me of, of the pen. 
a federal penitentiary. I don't know what it is. Like maybe it was like it was watching movies as a kid. Everyone that was in the yard seemed to have neck tattoos. <laughs> Again, that's just my own hang-up. And I, I don't remember them being that, that popular up until recently either. Like it was considered bad form to have a neck tattoo up until like 10 years ago. It, feel like, it feels like it would hurt. Like getting a neck tattoo probably feels painful. I don't know. I don't have a single tattoo, so I, I don't know how it feels, and I never plan on learning. But um, a bunch of Tory fuckers are going to be supporting that. <laughs> yes. I thought it was interesting that they gave what they give twenty five million to the to the war war effort, Shakhtar. Shakhtar, yeah. yeah, a mere fraction of what that club is given to the Russian war effort. Ooh. That is true. How did we get so political so quickly? Uh, I, I, just mentioned, I just mentioned some money that went to a, to a war effort. I thought it was, thought it was nice. You it's guys are... We're playing against Chelsea. You guys are... It's, it is a bit ironic, right, that uh, some of Chelsea's transfer dealings end up supporting the uh, the, the uh, regime, or the, sorry, supporting the country that's fighting against the regime that previously owned them. Yeah, it is. that is pretty... That is a pretty good... Uh, you know, if you were using Excel, actually, that'd be a circular logic fail. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Chelsea, you want to have a rant about Chelsea? Go ahead. I just don't like, I just don't like their supporters. Um, their supporters, by the way, don't deserve to be called, you know, certain slurs. And I am glad that the Anfield Tannoy made that very clear. And I have no time for the what aboutery about, you know, the that particular term being used, but then, oh, how come there's nothing said publicly about Hillsborough? The answer is both need to be done, but you don't have to make it a what aboutery. You know, like, what about this for this? Like, yeah. the Chelsea supporters who chant about Hillsborough are terrible people, and I'm glad that they got kicked out of the stadium. The Liverpool supporters, apparently there were three who, you know, three that they were caught doing it who used, you know, yeah. that homophobic slur. Also bad people don't deserve to be in the stadium. Like, it's pretty straightforward to me, but I do find that just Chelsea supporters are very weird. Saying about Steven Gerrard now, he he hasn't played for Liverpool now in seven years. What Liverpool have won the league since then? They've won the European Cup at that point as well, too. Like, Liverpool have won shit since then. That that barb doesn't hurt me by anybody, anybody anymore. Maybe hurts Gerrard, but I don't think he cares. He's sitting on a pile of money. Um, but... Well, he's off at Dortmund trying to persuade you to join us, isn't he? So he's probably not even going to hear this. Yes, and I'm glad that he's trying to do that because <laughs> nobody better to tell Jude Bellingham about what it's like to be the savior of Liverpool's midfield. Hit that follow button, Steve. Hit that follow button. But it's just, like, why are you singing God Save the King multiple times? And what, like, Wolves supporters are like, why is this a thing? Why? They think it's a needle. They just they think it's needle, and it's it's uh, it's yeah. boring. It's trite. It's yawn. Yeah, it's they're they're very unimaginative. They they live for so long on on Russian money, and it's that's their identity. Like they just they don't have they don't they don't have any real culture. Like they re, they rely on 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 ghosts of the past and and kind of like novo riche like bobs at, at at underclass. It's like it's just it's. They're just asshats. There's, there's nothing clever about it. It's uh, like there's nothing, nothing unique to it. It's they, they, they're singing trite shit that they think is going to get under our skin, and then I'm like, jog on. You're no longer, you're no longer the megalith that you thought that you were. I think the sad thing is it su- succeeded for me because I just was you know, was done with it. Um, frankly, um, you got fired, especially the Gerard song. It's just like. Honestly, uh, the, the only thing that I hear in stadiums that, that, that annoys me more now is that lower league jeer when goalkeepers kick the ball. Like, all these, like, teams that have come up, their fans all do that. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, they, they do this... You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? They do this chance when... It, look out for it. When Forrest or Leicester or one of those middling teams plays, they jeer the goalie when he's taking a goal kick. I don't exactly know what they say, but it sounds like your shit. Um, but it's so low league. It's so low league. Um, Has it worked once? 
Never, never, no. I mean, well, I guess it might work in the third division or something, but yes, yeah. I don't know why it's come back to the Premier League. It just feels, anyway. Yeah, you know, thinking about it, if I'm thinking about other supporters, others, the, the, the supporters like from other clubs in London, there's only one I actually think I like. Palace. Brentford? I like Palace supporters. Brentford? Uh, Brentford supporters probably okay too. Yeah. But yeah. th- those two, those two feel good. They, they, so this is, they're, they're a rare breed, right? The teams that come to Anfield and cheer their own team off. <laughs> <laughs> Shout shit about, uh, about us. Yes. Anyway, good, good uh, tangent. Any more uh, bobs to throw in uh, their direction? Gallagher. Oh my God, he's an annoying bastard, isn't he? He fits them perfectly. Maybe not for much longer. Number of bloody people that they're bringing in, he's probably going to get fired into the lumberyard here pretty soon. He's not good enough to play on their team, and they're shit. Norwich is about his speed. He can't pass a ball. That's a bit of a problem for a position that you're playing in that relies on you to pass the ball. Well, he doesn't practice enough because he's too busy falling over. In my uh, world, he's on the floor a lot. Um, yeah, there was nothing. Oliver was buying everything that they were selling. It's like Jorginho falls over in the box, and he's like, "Oh, that's clearly a foul." That that was embarrassing. The Curtis Jones foul at the end of the match was yeah as clear a foul as you'll ever see. Would have been a free kick in a dangerous position, and Curtis Jones is the only one who gets carted out of it. Now, I believe that um, you know Sean and I had a discussion about that particular one on uh, on on the. Uh, our chat, a text chat thread. Tell us more. And I will say that he, he thought that Curtis Jones was being stupid. I enjoyed the fact that he showed a little bit of spunk and fight. Yeah. Yeah, because it wasn't long after he got there. He was right over on Gallagher and wellied him into the crowd, which I was like, yeah. Sometimes you just got to do it. Well, that's why I think that's one of our problems is like we generally tend to be too nice. Without James Milner on the pitch, we're, we're a very pleasant bunch of people to play against. Like, Navi can get a bit gnarly every now and again. Tiago will definitely, like, leave someone on. on but by and large, like, we, we're not... Robbo's, a, Robbo's got some some spunk to him. Not recently. I don't know if he's had, like, another kid What's or something. Or he's, like, he's that he get up early to get the kids to, to, to preschool. I don't know. But he's, like, he's definitely not as not as full of beans as he was. I Did misunderstood that. Kick Gallagher in minute one? I said not as much. He would have done it, like, twice more after that. <laughs> it would have been all Robbo. It would have stomped on him. Yeah. But I, your general point, I think, is quite accurate. Yeah, we are a team of choir boys. Yes. Yeah, we don't we don't commit enough fouls when people are running at us, unlike Rodri and uh, the like. Uh, well, they get away with it. We don't. True. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the batch ditch book. Oh. Like, what? Didn't touch him. Yeah. So. I mean, there was one very deserved booking for our side in that match. Yeah, James Milner. Milner acting like a free safety on, on Mudrick. And he he had no other choice. <laughs> yeah, he was gone. I think that, that was a very considered move. It's like, I've got one to give, you know. It's like, I'll, I'll use it here, right? Yeah, I remember actually um, when Steve McMahon was in New York, um, one of the things he told us was, when you know that you have two yellows and you need to take one for the team, you take yours and then you tell your teammates – all right, that's mine. It's your turn to take yours. Yeah. Like, I think that's, you know, professional fouls are professional fouls, and you just got to do it sometimes. Yeah. I have no issue. Yeah, James Mill has turned it into an art form. Some of them, like I said, I think I said it last week, he's actually kind of a joy to watch when he brings someone down because you know it's coming. And if the guy with the ball knows it's coming. He's like, oh, Christ, it's going to come. And I mean, and, 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 he, and he delivers. He has the, uh, you know... The joy of being called a, a donkey by Leo Messi. So, you guys ever hear that story? So Messi okay. called him a yeah. Messi called him a donkey in Spanish. I don't think yeah. I don't think he knows he speaks Spanish. And he didn't know that Milner spoke Spanish. So Milner 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 talked back to him in Spanish. Was that in the first leg of that? Yeah, it was. No, no, I think it was actually against City where he when it was Milner was playing for City at the time. Oh, okay, okay. It, was, it goes back a long way. Milner oh, and Messi. Milner, Milner and Messi apparently have a, 
a small beef. Well, Messi has a small beef with Milner. Milner knows who he is in the game. <laughs> well, well, now he does, given he wasted the last 10 minutes of that game, the 4-0 at Anfield, like just keeping the ball in the corner, which is one of those memorable things. We've really gone off topic here, haven't we? Any more to say about the Chelsea game? Um, I do feel like there's some... We, we maybe haven't touched enough on it, uh, or maybe we have. Um, it feels like those substitutions, like I said, the first 15... Like you, you already got Milner there. He hadn't got a card by then, but felt like it was coming. Um, and then he puts Elliot to protect him. It just felt like I don't know what the the coaching staff were thinking with that change. Uh, couldn't they have kept uh, Cater on for a little bit longer um, until Trent was ready? Um, just sort of final thoughts on that. Well, the sports science aspect of it is, is boggling to me. It's like I, I, clearly Navi seems to be back up to speed. Like he, the, the, the second half performances, like keep like limited engagement. Like he knows that he has a week off. Why not play him? Like to Justin's point, I think he would have been a great. There was that ball that Nubby put over the top of the outside of his boot to Salah in the first half, and Salah basically skied it. But like he has that in his locker, and I think that if he has a willing runner like Nunez, it's going to make those darting runs inside or outside. Why not leave him on to at least try and pick that lock? And then he loves, he loves a through ball. He does. And he loves a good runner. I remember him and when, when he was in his pomp or whatever that, that, that time was, but him and Salah actually built up a really good understanding of one another. And they were, and, and he, and he found him all the time. So I'm wondering why, like that, that was a, that was a bizarre substitution because the first 15 minutes, of the second half, they, they couldn't get out of their own half. Yep. Like 2020 Liverpool would have scored two goals in that 15 minute period. They couldn't live with us. We just, uh, we just, it was kind of toothless, but it was, it was good pressure. It's it just, we did nothing came of it, but, and then as, as games seem to happen, they ebb and flow and that ebbed the other way. And then it just became, I think that their substitutions kind of changed it back in their, their, their favor. Whereas we didn't, we didn't have much to go to in the well. Hmm. Well, Potts is a good coach and he's not going to let that 15 minutes continue. Right. I think we needed to take our chances there. And I think to your point earlier, um, it had been great if we'd have brought Nunez on. Uh, and in fact, with five subs, and if he's only got 30 minutes, why not bring him on for those, like, from 45 to 75, I've got my math right, and then bring someone else on? Because by then he might have won you the match. Yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, Sean Rogers. Like, if he's fit, start him. Mm-hmm. If he's not sitting on a bench, he gets a full warm-up. He's ready to go versus sitting on a bench for 45 minutes, then going into the changing room for another 15, and then you're on the bench for another 20 minutes or 10 minutes after that. Play him from the start. See what you can get. You've got, got the benefit of a full warm-up. Um, like you're, not, you're not being brought on to, to, to a team that's obviously like struggling for, for any type of offensive, offensive threat, and, and you're it. Like Let him build himself into the game from the jump. Yeah, I, it makes sense. makes sense. There's, that's my, my wild theory of if he's not got minutes in him, then much better to bring him on at 45 when at least he has a chance to do a bit of warm-up. Uh, and then if you have to take him off when the game's, you know, like there's still time left in the game, um, great, because he's probably going to give you the maximum impact in that, in that period. Yeah, and it's, you know, if you have a guy who generates chaos and a guy who can serve the ball into really, really fortunate areas for a guy who generates chaos... You should probably try to go to them earlier in a game that you want to to, um, to win. And, you know, make no mistake, we probably, we I really wanted to win that game. I don't like Chelsea. I don't, you know, it's made very clear from my comments thus far on this podcast what I, what I think of that particular football club and its supporters. And I like beating them. And it's just, it sucks that we've now played them five straight times, five straight draws, Three straight times, it's been nil-nil through the entirety of the game. I just want to see us play them and actually see a goal scored by us in real time. Yeah, yeah. That's probably a good place to end. Uh, I'm sure there's more stuff we could talk about. Um, we didn't touch on Gomez and Canate, which I thought was you know, some reasonable performances there. Um, but maybe we'll touch on them in part Two. So we're in part one here. Um, 
we've looked back at Chelsea and we've taken on the world um, in terms of uh, kind of political perspectives on Ukraine and Russia. And we'll be back to talk about the football in part two. Hey, welcome back to part two of First Day Copites. Um, <laughs> yes, so we had a, a, a journey through the Chelsea game, and as uh, Justin said off camera, that's a that's a lot of stuff to talk about for a game that probably won't live long in the memory. But another game up this weekend, um, interesting one. Uh, we're, we're bright and away in the uh, FA Cup. Um, not sure we thought that we would actually be in the fourth round of the FA Cup, but here we are playing against a team that, that uh, were, I, I think it's fair to say, turning our worst performance in, you know, pick your, pick your number of years, but it's been a long time um, that we played that badly. Um, Brendan Rogers, um, where are you now? So um, thinking about how we, we played them twice this season, um, arguably they could have beaten us twice, um, um, what 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 are you what are your hopes expectations and um, what are your hopes and expectations, Daz, about playing away to Brighton? To quote Justin, pain. Okay, it's I, I, I've I've saying the praises enough. I, I was really really surprised, and I'm jumping ahead here on, on the agenda to see them ship two to Leicester and end up tying that game. Like that, I was really surprised by that. I get look, they're they're, they're, they're not a top six team. They they're not automatons. They will stumble from time to time. But I was very taken aback by that. Having said that, that does give me hope for this weekend because my hope is is that we we build from the last two games, the, the Wolves FA Cup game and then the one against Chelsea. Neither of which were were instant classics by any stretch of the imagination. But what it did show is some green shoots of at least a structure or a, or a tactical a tactical outlook that is that is gonna that will make us more 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 solid in the back and the midfield because if we play if we play like that, that like we did the the last time against Brighton they'll tonk us again. Um, I I'd be interested to see who he puts out. Uh, look, I think it's a blessing and a curse that we only play once a week for like the next, what, three or four weeks? Because we seem to do better when we have two a week. There's better, there's more fluency. We seem to, we seem to, we seem to, to, to get up to speed a lot more quickly if, if there's, if we're playing more games. Uh, but also it's, it's a blessing because we don't have to watch us suck as much as we have been twice a week. Um, injuries have hurt us. That's, it bears mentioning. I know that everyone's like, "Well, everyone else has injuries," but it's we have significant injuries, and it's and it's in 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 a lot of places that we we're, we're really struggling right now. So, go ahead. ESPN had a piece today, actually. Uh, Gab Marcotti wrote it, and I thought it was going to be a fluff piece, but it turns out he did. Somebody had done, and I'm sure it wasn't him, an analysis of which teams have been able to call on the same players every game. Uh, and in, in the Premier League, we're way, like 15th or 16th in that we've had two players we could call on every game. And Arsenal, surprise, surprise, have had seven of their squad that have been able to play every game of the season. I think that that is quite significant. I'd be interested to see the analysis, by the way, in the years where we were doing well, because um, I'm pretty sure it would have been more than two. Yeah, well, I think that's part part of like one of one of our biggest issues is like you can see there's there's – some of these guys look like they, they started playing together like that day. And there's movement off the ball isn't the same. Like uh, the understanding between players isn't the same. Like uh, the balls that the Tiago used to play into space, like you play into space because you knew someone was going to be there. And now it's, he's playing those same types of balls. Some of them aren't good in fairness, but some of them are like, it, it's just his instinctive, like, Oh, someone's going to run onto that for me because they know what I'm going to do. And, and, by Chetich, I remember in a Chelsea game that was just bamboozled by the ball and it and ended up going like in a dangerous counter-attack. Um so I I'd really, really, really like to see us to see to see us beat beat Brighton. Um I think he's gonna go heavy with with, with the with the with the big boys again because he has enough time in between for them to to to, to rest up and to work with them. 
And I think that he needs to put a marker down because Klopp is, he's not a proud man per se, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't look like to look a fool. And I think by his own admission, this was one of the worst games that he's ever, he's ever coached as a Liverpool coach. Two weeks ago. Yeah. It's like, he's usually very good about, about either changing the outlook or changing the tactics the next time he faces an opponent that's, that's Panston. You saw it against Brentford last year. Um, and I think he knows now what he can expect from De Serbi's uh, Brighton, and I, I think he'll have a much better plan for them. That's at least that's 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 optimistic, Darren speaking. Well, I, I think the one thing to say is, uh, he, right? Generally, he does better against teams that he's seen, right? And I think one of the issues with Chelsea was probably had no idea what they were going to yeah. they were, they were put out. In fairness, Potter probably didn't either. Strolly <laughs> would have helicoptered someone in as like, you need to play this guy today, today too. The thing I would say about Brighton is, and I, this may be where, like, you, you made the point, like, they drew their last game against Leicester. Leicester? I, I do think they take a lot of risks and the way we set up, um, at, like, trying to press high and not succeeding really gave them a lot of advantages. And I kind of wonder whether, you know, I know you said about like maybe a week off's not good for us, but maybe a week off to look at some of that and think about how they might set up. Because I think Deserby takes chances. Uh, and against us, they all paid off. Uh, not so much against Leicester. Not so much against Arsenal, interestingly enough. Yes, Arsenal didn't have McAllister or Caicedo. That's true against Arsenal, yeah. I mean, did against Leicester. Allow, allow me to um, look into my crystal ball, see the future. We get past Brighton. We keep going. The FA Cup ends up with a Saturday at Wembley for us. We lift some silverware. That carries us through a good stead to come March or come February. And we pants Real Madrid. And we get to Istanbul. And we win more silverware. Because this is what I need to believe in order for me to keep going. <laughs> yeah, cup double. The cup double is still on. So there is definitely time. I don't know about the FA Cup, but we'll see. Um, there's definitely time for us to kind of get back into a kind of groove um, and get some players back, like Diogo Jota, that would make playing Real Madrid to begin with much easier. Yeah, I mean, look, I would love for... Either one of Brighton's two midfielders to be coming in our direction as a full-time player, um, you know, be it McAllister or Caicedo, even though Caicedo is the one who seems to be more likely to move right now because he didn't just sign a long-term extension, whereas McAllister did and is going to cost. I think McAllister is going to be an extremely expensive player that Real Madrid are going to buy. Like McAllister's, I think McAllister's a wonderful footballer. I think Moises Caicedo is a great footballer too. I would take either one of them in a heartbeat. But they play for a side right now that it's Brighton. Like, they're, they're good. They're overachieving what they should be. This will probably be their best season for a while, right? Like, they're going to be a comfortable mid-table Premier League side until their bones get picked apart for – and, you know, if they can keep up their good recruiting, then they'll be fine. But if they go the way of their arch rival, Southampton, they won't be. I think part of their issue might be going forward that uh, they need some sap to buy the players that didn't work. And uh, Everton are no longer in a position to buy any of those people. So, Yeah, but, but I, I, think, I think we can beat them, right? Yeah. We, we've beaten Manchester City this season, right? We have the talent and ability to beat teams. We just haven't been consistently on it. But sometimes it's, look, it's going to take a while for us to fix all of our issues, but sometimes there is a switch that's flipped. And... Yeah. Hopefully this game is the switch that's flipped, but I do have one particular fear, which is that Klopp will try to use this game to either play Henderson or Fabinho to get them to play out of what they're, the funk that they're both in. And I don't think that either one of the, I, I don't think that they can do it together. I think you can play, I think you can get away with playing one, but not the other at this point. I think Klopp's biggest mistake this year is, is the trust. Um, because he, he keeps he keeps going back to them and keeps going back to them. It's like you guys can play your way through this. You've done it before. You've done it before. And I think that he's 
I think Tiago came on and said so much is like we had our hands on everything and then it just disappeared. And he said, we've, it's, we've just, we haven't fully recovered. Like he came out and said it. And it's, so yeah. it's, he's putting voice to what we already knew. But some of these, some of these guys are mentally shot. Some of them are physically shot. Some of them are both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, Henderson might be physically shot. I don't know if he's mentally shot. Oh, so there was an interview. Uh, he did. I don't know when he did the interview. It was after the World Cup. Um, and they got reported last week. And I, this is like secondhand. But the gist of it seemed to be, based on the reporting I saw, that he said he'd really found it hard to lift himself after the World Cup. And after you know, after the season he'd had, and then the World Cup. Um, which would explain why he looked so chippy against uh, whoever it was he played for England when he played for England. Mm. And does not necessarily looked like that guy. So. Well, I know we got Mo Salah on the on the agenda. I think maybe that you can you can lump him into that too because I don't think he ever came back from the Af- Africa Cup of Nations. I did. I think that's partly true. I also think that we've been just doing really weird shit with him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's he's at, uh, one of the one of the best things and one of the things I love most about Mo Salah is like the way that he plays the game. Like he gets mugged four to twenty four times a game. He doesn't throw his toys. He gets up and he gets on with it. Like he's always had, he's such a mentally strong and such a mentally strong player. And he he plays with some, like some real joie de vivre. Like he, it's, he's exactly where he needs to be. He's a footballer. He loves what he does. And it's just not there. Like you can see he's just, what he hasn't scored is the first time he's failed to score a goal or or put a shot on goal for Liverpool in in two games or three games. Is that right? Just just as a one. A subplot here. You've ruined part three. That's just saying. Oh, shit. Going. Oh, that, was it part three? You moved the it. Man, the man oh, does not listen in a direction. Who moved it? Look, it wasn't me because I look at the agenda on my phone. It was moved. Oh, keep going. Keep going. Now we now we, now we only have two parts. We'll, we'll see. Oh, yeah, bollocks. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, it's, I said that to my dad and it's, it's just he just doesn't seem to he just, he's not enjoying it. And I look, and fair enough, I don't think many people on our team are, but it's, he was one of the guys that you look to. It's like, regardless of where it was going, it's like he, it was still 120%. He was always smiling his face. He, and it just looks, he looks quotidian is the best way I can put it. He just looks like every day. Like it's not much. Yes. And I, and look what's going on around him. I, I'm, I'm not, I, there's a ton of people with a ton of shit to say. And, and I think that anytime you go into social media when things aren't going your way, there's always blame. There's always scapegoating. There's always like uh, the, 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 the agenda, the agenda bunnies that like they, they just pick up on one thing and that's what they hammer home without, without any type of context. Like it's just like, well, there's this and this and look at this statistic and, and like he's, he's shit right now. Like, yes, we know he is, but there's reasons for it. Like at least note what they are. There was a piece in, um, like yesterday's athletic, oh, anyway, it came, it came out the last couple of days. Uh, when uh, it's Mark Carey, who's the stats writer for Athletic, did a piece on on Salah, and um, I, mean, I think the, the, it was kind of good news and bad news. And I think the the bad news is he's underperforming his xG uh, in a way um, less than he was at the end of last season, by the way, but not typically how he's done through his Liverpool career. Um, but the, the, the kind of good news was that part of his, his low scoring is he's actually not getting as many chances. Um, so, and that feels like it's fixable. Um, so you put those kind of two things together and it's not, it doesn't feel like he's in quite the same place as he was second half of last season where I think he was struggling with everything that happened to him. I buy that. I definitely think that we're not helping him with our setup. Like, He's so wide and he gets no support and he's playing down a right side that's constantly getting destroyed. Like, I, I get it. It makes sense. He has to start deeper to help out. And we're just not getting the ball into anybody in good positions. Plus, also, we play everything to funnel it to Darwin at the moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the sort of the humorous thing in this is right against Chelsea. They were trying to funnel it to him, but Chelsea knew, like, oh, we just have to mark this guy because those are the two people yeah. running past us. Right. Yeah, zero offensive threat outside of him. 
Yeah. I, 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 I like Cody Gakpo, but the extent to which he is allergic to running in behind is kind of funny. I mean, it's not his game. Yeah. That's, well, like, again, it's like, I guess we can go down that, like, that rabbit hole of, of hate. It's like, mate, he, he's being parachuted into a team that's by and large in disarray. He's been asked to play a position that's not his favorite position or his position, period. And you're expecting like him to fart out pixie dust. It's like, give, give him a second. Like, Think about Robbo didn't get a, a game for, like, what, four months until yeah. Moreno got injured? It could, it, Klopp, this isn't, this isn't generally how Klopp likes to do things, but needs must, you know, like hands and pumps and all that. Uh, it's, I think, I think if he's, if he scores one, you're like, you'll go on a bit of a tear. And again, it depends where he plays. And I'd, I'd be interested to see, and I think I said this in our, our group chat, I don't think Klopp is going to change the, change the formation or the, or, or at least ostensibly what a, the four three three is supposed to look like for him, because that's what, it's tried, true, tested, and that's what the players understand. If he's asking them to go uh, four, four, two, three, one, or four, one, two, three, or whatever the hell it is, it's I, I, he doesn't he, he does he doesn't need to add any other ingredients to a to a, a batter that's already struggling to rise. Ooh, I pulled that off. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you I'll give you another analogy. Cody Gakpo is like a marine being dropped into a hot landing zone in Vietnam. You're just taking gunfire immediately. I did not pull that off. I'll give you an, I'll give you a half an hurrah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I recently read a book about Huey uh, in 1968. It, it resonated with me. Like I kind of. I, I, I'm glad I got I'm glad I got one of you. Yeah, the Marines <laughs> were generally uh, yeah set up to fail in that uh, scenario. Uh, okay. Okay. So um, having said all that. Feel free to sneak in your Caicedo transfer rumor. Um, you're getting worse than Sean actually does. Just to say, um, let's it's go. It's been first. a slow day. Leave me alone. Let's go for. So in order, it was to there. I was if, there. I sent my teeth into it. Affect this uh, this what, this rising dough. Was that what it was? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, how, how would you construct the team with well, what with dough? What, what no, with, Mo- with, with, with Moses. I'd part the Red Sea. Hey, it was a softball. Fuck you guys! I told you to do a slow day. Um, it was. It was. It was. A, it was. A, it was a softball. Um. Well, hopefully he doesn't part the Red Sea this weekend, the bastard. But anyway, I, I, if so, so say say no now, not uh, the Reds. Well, we are, we wear, ah, fuck it. Uh, so, we, if we, look, I'd love to get Moses Casado. I think that he'd be, he'd be a perfect uh, uh, substitute for, for Fabinho. Um, it, it could, it, the, thing is, the thing is, he can play in, on the left, he can play on the right, or he can play that sixth position. So, I, I think that Brighton's asking for silly money because they can. Um, well, Bowly money is involved in this. That that makes it. I think this might be too rich for his blood. If they're asking for a hundred million, I thought that the cheeky part of it was, and this is like the the bullshit rumor that that, that I floated to you guys, is that they said for the low low price of zero pounds, we'll take ox off your hands right now, but only right now, and we'll give you nothing. So it, it, it's why not? Like a lot of their players are in high demand. Well, not a lot of their players, but. Some of their best players are in high demand right now, so, and they're they're flying high. So why not shoot for the stars? You can't blame them, but it's cheeky. Um, I, I think that Casado will probably end up going. What's he like? Is he's on some astronomically low amount of 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 week? Thirty five hundred pounds a week. Thirty five hundred. Thirty five hundred. Sweet God! Yeah, so he's gone in the summer. Someone else is going to. That will, we'll give you 3600 if you come to us. No, that, he'll go somewhere. He'll definitely go to a top six team. I think that he's, that he's proven that, he's, that, he, that, he, that he has what it takes. He kind of reminds me a little bit of um, what's his face, the place for Chelsea now that always uh, played for Leicester. Oh, I can see him, but I can't think of his name. Kante. 
He reminds me referring to Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a joke. Uh, yeah, he reminds me a little bit of, of, of Conte. Like, I don't think he's, I think he has that kind of ceiling to him. Mm-hmm. And he's very handy. He's, well, I'm done singing his praises. I think that if, if he comes to us, he, he, can play, he can play numerous different roles, which is what Klopp loves. Uh, you can do the genie thing. You can do the Fabinho thing. You can probably even do the hand over Tiago thing. Maybe less flair than Tiago, but he can, he can fill that role. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I, I will caveat this by saying I have no faith or thought that we're signing a midfielder between now and the 31st. I just don't think it's going to happen. Even though, like, it absolutely should, like, we should buy a midfielder. Um, but I would take Caicedo in a heartbeat. Really good player. Like, he's he's pretty powerful. He's not he's not he's not huge. He's not small. I think he's about five ten. He's really strong. He can run all day. He's good technically. He's nasty. He snaps into tackles. Like, I want players like that. We used to have midfielders like that. I want those again. And if we're going to start rebuilding the midfield, it's got to happen at some point. A player like him really, 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 you know, it's a a signing that that would, you know, put a rocket up the ass of, uh, I think, a a bunch of players in our squad um, to to up their games. There'd be more competition because, I mean, it's that guy is not going to come in here and decide and be like, yeah, I'll wait for my opportunity. No, he's going to take it immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's what he's done at Brighton. That's what he's going to do wherever he goes. He's going to be playing for a perennial Champions League team for the next five to ten years. And so, like, I'd like it to be us. Late breaking news. Apparently, uh, Sky Sports just reported the last couple of hours that Arsenal are prepared to bid $75 million for him. It'd be a great signing for them, and I really hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. So, uh, And he's only 5'10". And I, I do think one of the points we made about the Chelsea game was like we have a small lineup. Uh, I know Bacetich is supposed to be six one, but do we really think he's six one? Anyway, to be that's... fair, five ten is taller than both Naby and Thiago by quite some bit, which presents us with some issues when we don't have Fabinho and Henderson on the field, right? Mm-hmm. Or Virgil, yeah. yeah. And Gakpo pretends not to be six foot four. Uh, Damn it! I really hope he doesn't go to Arsenal. That would be not great. Yeah. But Granite do you know if this source, do you, Paul? Do you know if this source is reliable? Sky Sports was the source. So yeah. maybe. So so possibly reliable. Well, Sky Germany are saying that we're in the box seat for Bellingham. So I fucking hope they're reliable. I trust <laughs> them now. Yeah. Because Sky Germany is more reliable than anyway. It feels like a lot of eggs. Like I, I know that we got to go, but like that, that Bellingham just seems like a lot of eggs in 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 a in a, a basket that doesn't seem to have a very stable bottom right now. It's yeah. it's like we should be doing other stuff around it. Like think like Arsenal's picked up what two or three players. They got um, they got Trossard for a song. They got they they got some other kid from uh, yeah from, picked up a young center back yeah Polish defender yeah 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 and now they're, they're they're making moves like they're being they're being very unarsenal like I mean it's coming back to bite us in the ass because like I think the the uh, the criticism of our transfer policy that I agree with is that we generally recruit well and get things right we just don't buy enough of them and I feel like we're really in that spot right now. I don't think we've ever recovered from the from essentially the pandemic, and the model of we sell all these players, we you know, generate enough to bring in the players we need. We've just not been generating. You know, we talked about this before. Like we would have got way more for Origi had there been no pandemic, uh, as an example. But Nabi Kate is our most expensive. right. Good point. Yeah, we got something. Yeah, Nabi Kate is our most expensive expensive uh, midfield signing. And he's walking for free. Yeah, ops. Yeah, free. I do think that's a pandemic thing. That that, that this is because we haven't been able to spend. The, the, so there's two things here. What, uh, like I, I know there's a lot of stories going around about us trying to sell Kelleher and Phillips to generate funds for Bellingham, which feels uh, what is plain fair. <laughs> uh, 
may, maybe a nice dinner for his dad. I don't know, uh, something like that. Um, the the other issue I think we have, and I've not I've not explored this, but I have seen people comment on uh, the balance of our squad and the number of homegrown players. Yeah, we we actually one of the reasons. I mean, so Klopp talked about how um, we're gonna have to wait till the summer and kind of you know kind of move things along because because we've got Cater. I don't know, Chamberlain, whoever else. It's really hard to bring in someone else. Otherwise, we would we, we can't register all of those people, um, for certainly for Champions League and probably for the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, I think another big problem you know is you just named Keita and Chamberlain. Like those are two guys we bought with the intention of that being huge parts of our midfield. And yeah, for varying reasons across the both of them, it hasn't worked out. Now, obviously, Nabby's worked out a bit more a bit more than Ox because of the fact that there's a lot more left in his tank. Whereas Ox just looks like his days of being a footballer at the top level ended three years ago. Like those two not working out and us not cutting bait on that. It's a huge part of our problem. But you have to have someone to buy. I think that's the issue. And and the pandemic hurt so many teams. You know, I, I kind of joked before about Everton signing more pay, but it's like, you know, that, that like Brighton got very lucky to find someone to take him off their hands. I think yes. Chelsea spunk a lot of money on on players for Frank Lampard in that in that period. They could they, they had a transfer ban. Oh well, they they bought some people before the transfer ban. Like, yeah, but Pulisic. Yeah, like the reason the entire idea behind why they appointed Lampard is because he did a decent job at Derby with young players and was kind of tactically malleable. But, you know, his managerial development uh, sputtered very quickly because it turns out that he's neither particularly talented nor particularly insightful as to how to develop players. Well, Justin, no. I, I mean, he got them, though. That's, that's, I, 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 I was feeling particularly low after the game and I watched Toffee TV. Oh, wait a minute. I, saw, I watched Toffee TV last night and somebody literally said on Toffee TV, Frank got us, you know, it's like, got what <laughs> exactly? Because anyway, um, so it might be, it might be a terrible manager, but yeah. Bring, bring back big dunk. I feel like, yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. what, I'm sorry. I'm just lost on the thought of watching Toffee TV. Um, yeah. I mean, the only Everton, so much con- the, only, about the only Everton content that I really choose to take in is Pepper Mills. So <laughs> she's up for the job. I think she's 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 sung a resume. I'm I'm super excited for her next song in the recorder section. <laughs> so this Pepper Bills is the best. I, I I would I would encourage people if you're feeling bad about the Reds to take a glimpse on Toffee TV because it's like oh my god, like, I think we're in bad shape, boy. Yeah. Um, some things we haven't covered, but let's do one quick thing before we're done. Um, Sean very helpfully sent out some graphic that in the 38 games, I guess between the end of the 2018-19 season through like most of the 2019-20 season, we actually got 110 points in 38 games. I don't think we've considered that for long enough. That is just unbelievably good. Well, Best team I've ever seen. Yep, by far and away. Yeah. I grew up in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. feel like we're privileged rather than, as Sean was suggesting, we should feel sad about that. feel privileged that we were um, able to witness that. And- I, I, I don't get the feeling sad about this because, look, I, aside from my love of this particular team, I root for some just diabolical, Bolically badly run sports franchises. And you can't take for granted winning because guess what? In reality, even if your team is really, really, really good, you're going to end up more seasons disappointed by how it ends than you are going to be overjoyed by how it ends. And I think you just have to take that into account. Just go with it because you're going to lose at points in your life. Like you're going to lose at points in your life when you're watching sports, you're going to lose at points in your personal life. You're going to lose it. And in the end you'll lose because you die. Right. 
So just appreciate what's going on while you're living and appreciate the things that are like truly outstanding that happen that you get to be a part of, right? All of us who are Liverpool supporters got to be a part of that, right? We got every single week, like, like you remember that feeling of basically not of nothing that you could wait for besides when do we play next, right? Not like right now where I want to watch every game hiding behind my couch, but like, when do we play next? And I want to get that feeling back, but like, I don't sit there and long for it with the idea of look at how great it was. And now it's gone. I look at, I look at it at the feeling of look at how great it was. That was awesome to experience. I'd love to do it again. Up the existential crisis reds. Sorry. Can't beat that. Cannot beat that. So you're not getting this anywhere else. Geopolitics and philosophy and Hopefully the Reds can beat Brighton this weekend. Justin. Pop double. Thank you so much. Daz, thank you too. Uh, No part three. We will be back next week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share with a friend. Follow us at First Day Copites on Twitter. We only tweet and retweet from sources we think are credible. Finally, music is courtesy of Hypnotic. They're a Welsh electro-pop band, and you can find them at https colon forward slash forward slash hyperfollow.com forward slash hypnotic. Hypnotic is H-Y-P-E-N-O-T-I-C. Thanks so much to them.